0: Well, good morning, once again, everybody. How are we doing today? Good. Hebrews chapter 11. If you didn't know it by now, we're in Hebrews chapter 11. Would you take your Bibles and turn with me there? You know, it is so good uh, to be with you this morning. Uh, we are excited to begin this, this journey with you, and so at the outset, let me say, let me say thank you. Let me say thank you to you, the congregation. Let me say thank you to the staff and the board for their encouragement, their trust, and prayers as our family joins you here at First Alliance. I also want to take a moment and thank the church staff uh, for their hard work over the last 10 months. It's not an easy thing to lift that that piece of work that they've been lifting, um, but we are so thankful for what they've been doing. And I especially want to recognize this morning Pastor Scott and Pastor Chen uh, for their work, filling the pulpit, preaching the word, and pouring themselves out to you uh, in addition to all of their areas and responsibilities. And a special thank you to Scott for his strong word last week preparing us uh, for this, uh, uh, this day today. Would you thank Pastor Scott and Pastor Chen? You know, as I thought about this day, uh, a flood of emotions uh, came rushing through my mind. Uh, the normal nervousness of meeting new people, of trying to remember names. I can promise you this, I do not have the gift of Rick Crocker. I try. So please, if you uh, if you need to... Uh, Restate your name. Please do not feel like you're doing something wrong. I just have a trouble with that. And it comes with the nervousness, the nervousness of of new people trying to remember names, uh, going through uh, all of the different connections that we've had in the past. There's a little bit of nervousness today. There's a lot of excitement today, starting uh, something new and seeing the potential of the church that we have here at First Alliance because of the gifts and the talents and the abilities that you possess. It's exciting. And then there are the memories. And the memories come flooding in. And as those memories come flooding in, what stands out are the people. It's the people. The memories are all about the people who walked these halls and who have spent time on their knees in prayer. The memories are about the people who cooked in the kitchen and and prepped communion. It's about the people who served in kids' ministry, ministry and student ministry and worship ministry and audio and video ministries and first impressions and deacons and trustees and global impact and community impact and whatever we're calling things now these days impacting the world around us. It's about, it's about the people. It's about the people who lived and served quietly in the background, It's about the people who you may not know used to gather at one point early in the hours on a Sunday morning and spend time in prayer. It's about the people who wanted to serve quietly in the background, no fanfare, no limelight, no spotlight. They just wanted to serve. They wanted to love God and follow after him and do what they knew they could do in a way that that, that honored their talent and ability and strengths and so They served. They were simply present, and they were fine with that. It was the people who made this church what it was and what it is and what it will be. You know, it wasn't the ministries themselves. I, I was thinking about that this week. It, it's not that we have certain ministries. It's not that we have a men's ministry or, or a women's ministry. It's not that we have a, a worship ministry or different Bible studies that meet at 9.30 and 11 in various rooms. It's not the ministry per se itself, but what is it? It's the people in the ministries. It's the connections. I mean, I don't know how many of us would go to a classroom or sit in a Bible study and say, I'm so glad to be here with the chairs. I'm so glad that there's a podium. I'm so glad. I was so happy today to see the carpet. That's not what we say, is it? I'm so glad to see you. I'm so glad to shake your hand. I'm so glad to, to get a hug. I'm so glad to to be around you. you. You encourage me. You challenge me. You inspire me. I love seeing you week after week after week. And some people would say, I don't do anything. I just show up. But it's in the presence, isn't it? It's in the showing up that God does something because it's, the people. Hebrews chapter 11 reminds us of this, that it's about the people. That there are moments and seasons of our life, that there are moments and seasons along our faith journey when we need to be reminded of the people who were there of the people who came before us, of the people who set a path in front of us, a people who spoke into our lives and moved in our spirits and deposited gems of truth and wit and wisdom into our lives. It's about the people. And in Hebrews chapter 11, we're reminded of these words. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for, and certain of what we do not see, this is what the ancients were commended for. This is what the ancients were commended for. They were commended not for their great works, not for their great efforts, not for their great coffee and pastries that we'll have uh, soon afterwards. It's not that, that we will commend Pastor Chen for bringing back deep dish Chicago pizza, Somebody please ask him to do that, though. That's not what we commend them for. We commend them for what? Their faith. And what is it about faith that we commend them for? What is it about the faith that they have? What is it about the faith that they expressed, that they are commended for? I mean, Hebrews 11, I I shortened the reading this morning. I hope that's okay with you. Hebrews 11 is a pretty long and exhaustive reading. And I know I won't get all those first names right, but you might. That would be fun, wouldn't it, to try that. But what were they commended for? They were commended for their faith. F.F. Bruce writes this, that the people of faith that we read about, they they had no visible evidence that God was going to fulfill his promises. When you take a look at the names that are listed as you read down through the rest of Hebrews chapter 11, the ancients of faith, those who were in the Old Testament and gone before us, the ones that we tell uh, uh, stories about in our children's ministry, they had no promise of the fulfillment. They didn't see it. They had no visible evidence that God was going to fulfill the promise God's promises, he writes, were off in the distance. But the promises meant so much to them that they regulated the whole course of their lives to them, convinced that God was going to fulfill them. He writes, their faith consisted simply of taking God at his word and directing their lives Accordingly, that's what they were commended for. They simply took God at his word and directed their lives accordingly. They understood what God was saying to them. They understood the promises God was giving them and they adjusted and they altered and they changed their lives accordingly, looking forward to what God was going to do. They believed God, and they lived their life. I I don't know how much more simple it can be, right? Believe God and adjust your life accordingly. This is what faith is. Believe God and adjust our lives accordingly. And when we do that, when we live that way, What we leave behind is a legacy of faith for others. When we do that, we leave a legacy of faith for others. Because here's what we all know. Faith is hard, isn't it? Faith is hard. I mean, it's a simple saying, right? Believe God's promises and adjust your life accordingly. There you go, you got your five bucks worth today. Have a great day. Right? Believe God, adjust. But how hard is that? It's extremely difficult. Because faith, faith is hard because there are elements of trust. I have to trust what God is going to do. I have to trust in a promise that I can't see. There are elements of of development and growth. Faith is hard because I have to grow. Now, we all like to show other people how they have to grow, right? But hey, I have to grow. I have to develop. I have to turn into the person that God is asking me to turn into in Christ. That when I believe the promise that God gives, I, in adjusting my life accordingly, am growing and developing. We're always living in tension, aren't we? With faith and the world that we live in. There's temptation to sin. There's struggles in relationships. There's challenges in health. There's conflict in marriages. Faith is hard. Because there's still tension in the world. Faith is also hard because it's always being challenged. Faith is always being challenged. Intellectually, our faith is challenged. Scientifically, our faith is challenged. Politically, our faith is challenged. Day in and day out. Archaeologically, raises questions about our faith. And socially, in pop culture, our faith is laughed at and mocked and set aside by others who who don't believe and don't understand our or they're only looking for the limelight for themselves. People are taking hard, second looks. One of the things that that, that came out of the COVID movement um, over the last three years is this this deconstruction of faith. People people sitting at home and and and. and appropriately wondering and questioning, not not a problem to wonder and question, deconstructing and really trying to figure out what is it of value that my faith holds. Faith is, is hard and faith is challenging. And we wonder along the way what remains. And so here comes the writer of Hebrews, right? Here comes the writer of Hebrews. And he's saying, look, I know it's hard. I know your faith is challenging. I know there's going to be seasons in your life where as you're trying to adjust your life to the ways and the promises that God asks, it's going to be difficult and you're not going to understand and you think you're going in the right direction and you're going to experience this tension in the world that we live in and you're going to want to walk this way but it's going to be too hard and you're going to mess it up and you're going to end up walking in a different way or you're going to deconstruct this thing and as you try to rebuild it, you might get the the basics, you might miss some things. It's hard, it's challenging. Here comes the writer of Hebrews we get it we get it but hang in there and here is the proof here is the proof that you can hang in there and he begins to list the names he begins to list the names of people he says he says remember the legacy of those who have gone before you When your faith is hard, when your faith is challenged and you're not sure that you can move on, you're not sure you want to move on, you're not sure what direction to move, you're not sure how to handle this situation, the writer of Hebrews says, remember these people, remember their legacy of faith and use it as encouragement for yourself. Remember Enoch, how he pleased God with his life. Remember Noah, how he built something that he knew nothing about. Hey, Noah, build an ark. Okay. What's an ark? Well, there's going to be a flood, so we need a boat. Okay. What's a boat? Because I don't, like, we've not had this before. And God says, I want you to reorient your life, and I want you to go build this boat. He reorients his life, and he does what he's asked to do. Remember Enoch, remember Noah, remember Abraham, who was called to go to a country that he didn't know anything about. And he said, okay, let's go. And the list goes on. Moses and Rahab and Gideon and Samuel and David and more and more and more. So that when our life of faith grows hard and heavy and compromised and challenging, the writer of Hebrews says, yep, we get it. There were people just like you and me. And they stuck to it. And you can too. You can too. They believed God directed their lives. They believed that they could accordingly change their lives, and when they did, they lived a life of faith. Three things that I take out of all these names that are listed here. Three quick things. We don't have time to dive into all of that this morning, but just three quick overviews that I see in, this, in, in Hebrews 11 and this idea of legacy, and it's this. First of all, they were attentive to God's leading. They were people who were attentive to God's leading. They were listening for what God wanted them to do. They were listening for the, the word of God. They were listening for how God was moving in their culture and in their community. They were listening to the prophets. They were listening to the judges. They were listening to those in, in temple worship. They were listening to what God was saying. Pastor Scott, last week, prepare your hearts for the weekend. When you come to church, prepare your hearts for the weekend to listen to what God may be saying of us. They were commended for their faith. They left a legacy for the people behind them because they were attentive to God's leading. Secondly, they were present with God. They were present with God. They took the time to be with God's people. They took time to be with God himself in worship and in prayer. They took time to to express their thoughts of worship, right? David wrote many of the Psalms. David danced before the Lord, right? They They were attentive to God's leading. They were present with God, and they lived with a future perspective. They lived with a future perspective. Verse 13 says this. All these people, all these people, were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they're looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Verse 16, instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. They lived with a future purpose and a future perspective. How, how many of us have seen people that were important to us in, their, in, our, in our lives, that maybe they were near the end of their run? Grandparents. Grandparents important key figures. And sometimes their message to us in those quiet, private moments were just, I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to go home. Do we ever say that? We look at what's going on in the world around us. We look at our culture. We look at our communities. And we just sometimes, sometimes we just exhale at home and we just go, I'm just ready to Faith sometimes carries a future perspective. The faith that we leave behind, the faith that we live with, the faith that we hand off to the next generation always includes a future perspective. I know it's not great now. I know there's challenges. I know things are what they are, but there's a future coming. There's something more. There's something better. There's something greater. Hang in there, right? Right? There's nothing about Hebrews 11 that says, give up, throw in the towel and just go do your own thing. Nothing. It's all about keep moving, keep pressing, hang in there. It's going to be okay. I see what's going on in your world. I see what's going on in your life. I know it's not easy. I know it's hard. And you're going to come back at me like, pastor, but you don't understand. You don't understand how I've lived my life. You don't understand the mistakes I've done. You know, and I look Hebrews 11. I don't need to know your life. I know their lives from the stories. Hey, you're fine because this is like a soap opera compared to some of our lives. We're going to look at that in the next two weeks. Next week, we're going to look at Saul and, or Samuel. And the week after that, we're going to look at David. I'm just going to tell you right now, when we look at David in two weeks, buckle up, because it's not the David you've heard about. But he's listed as someone who is commended for his faith. Because he didn't. And he didn't give up. And he kept pressing on. And as I was thinking and and praying about how God would lead us here at First Alliance. As I was praying about how God would would move us into the future and the days ahead. I keep coming back to this one word. Legacy. Legacy. Legacy of the things that I loved in the interview process over the last couple of months, it was the opportunity to revisit the history of First Alliance. To be, to be reminded not only of what happened, but be reminded of the names of the people who lived attentive to God, who valued worship and the presence with God, and had a perspective beyond their years and past their lifetime. It was about the people. The people who then encouraged me. The people who prayed for me. The people who stood at the doors. The people who told jokes. That guy that would always punch you in the arm when you walked in. And then there was a day when you didn't get the punch in the arm anymore and you missed it. It's about the people. Living their lives according to God's God's desire and God's plan, adjusting their lives accordingly. And when they did that, they lived a life of faith. And that faith was a legacy to the people who, who sat with them and sat around them and sat in Sunday school meetings with them and sat in uh uh, uh group meetings with them and sat in committee meetings with them and sang on the worship team and played their instruments. It was about the people. And because of those people, I was encouraged. And because of those people, you were lifted up. And because of those people who whispered into your ear, I'm praying for you this week. It put a little lift in your step. It put a little life in your spirit. The names have been flooding through my mind. I'm not going to list any names today because I'm going to forget somebody. But the images and the pictures keep flashing. And like many of you, You have names. You have faces. There are people in your world. There are people in your life. There are people in your history that you can remember when you came to church that weekend, they were always there. Catherine and Margaret, right over there. I said I wouldn't say any names, but... Right? Right? and you knew they loved you and you knew that they were cheering for you and you knew they wanted God's best for you. They left a legacy of faith that speaks and shouts encouragement to you and cheers you on as you build your faith. So what about us? What will be said of us when we're gone? What stories will be told? What legacy will we leave behind? When these students that were up here on stage go off to college one day, whose life and faith will they remember who influenced them here at First Alliance? When they get married, which couples will they look look to and remember how their faith and their family influenced them. And I hope that my my marriage and my children and my family would someday resemble this family. When they move away, what lessons of life and faith will they take with them from the time they spent as a part of this church and this faith community? What about us? You see, legacies... Legacies are about us, but they're not for us. Legacies are about us, but they're not for us. Memories are for us. Memories are for you and me. You remember when we, right? You remember when we got together and we, remember how we, right? Remember the A you gave me on that project in class? That was awesome, by the way. Remember, because the memories are for us to celebrate. The legacy, it's about us, but it's for somebody else. It's what we leave as a deposit so that they can pick it up and live their life and press forward when the faith is hard and when faith is complicated and they don't know what they do, what to do and they don't know how to move on. They have Hebrews 11, but do they have a list of families and names and people at their church that loved them day after day and year after year? And so when these kids start middle school this fall, when they play under the lights on Friday nights, when they go off to college and military and trade school, or they enter the workforce, when they get married, and they start families, and they move away, and they experience every moment of life that comes with those seasons and those stages of life. Can they look back? Will they look back? Will they have names? Will they have faces? Will they have a church community that they can point to and always know and always know, no matter hard how hard it is, I can always go home because these people love me, these people pray for me, these people encouraged me, these people lifted me up, because they were attentive to God, they were present with God, and they lived with a perspective that was in the future, that one day it'll be okay, one day it'll be better, it's okay, you can press on, you can press through. Hebrews chapter 12, right? Verse 1. Because we are surrounded by such great a cloud of witnesses, it refers to an image of cheering them on. How about us? Will our names for these students and these young adults and these families and these generations that move on from here, will they speak our names? will we have made a deposit in their life? Are we listening to God, adjusting our lives appropriately, and leaving a legacy of faith? So this week, here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want you to think of someone whose legacy of faith has made an impact on you. Think of that person right now. Think of it. This shouldn't be hard. You should have already been, this should have been already percolating, right? Think of a name of somebody who impacted you. In fact, in fact, write it down right now. Right now, write it down. There's pens, papers, there's stuff. I don't know. Write it down somewhere. Write on your arm, right on your hand. The name of someone. Here's the thing, if we don't do it now, we won't do it. If we don't do it now, we won't do it. Because we're gonna get home. We're gonna get home. Wes is gonna go do something today. He's gonna go trim the hedges today or something. And the name that he wrote, it's gonna wash off. He's not you gotta write it down somewhere. Write it down. Write I don't know if you trim hedges. I don't know. I don't know how you do that. Come trim my hedges. Be awesome. Write that name. You got the name? Got the name? Wrote it down. Here's what I want you to do. This week, I want you to write them a letter. I want you to write them a letter. I don't want you to just say thank you. Thank you for the impact that you've had on my life. Now, for some of us, we're going to say those people are no longer with us. That's okay. Send the letter to one of their family members. And just tell them, your mom, your dad, your grandpa, whatever whatever the relationship, they made a huge impact on my life. I just wanted to say thank you. And for some people, for some people, I'm sure that you had to sacrifice some time from your parents or your grandparents or whatever. I just want to say thank you. It made a huge impact on my life. I did a, a funeral for one of our FAC people back in April, Jeff Burkholtz. And uh, Jeff, Jeff, and Twila were always at church. They were, they were, they would, they came to my my parents' uh, house for small group, played softball with Jeff. You know, the biggest thing I remember from Jeff Berkoltz is he was just there on Sundays. That meant so much to me. That I just knew the church family was there. Because I knew it was home. Because I knew when faith got hard and life got difficult. I could always go home. So send that letter. Now, if you can't send it, you don't know where to go, or you're a little nervous about that, that's fine. I understand that. Take the name, write the letter, and at least stick it in a drawer and hold on to it. Type it up on your laptop or desktop and put it in a file. Hold on to it. Put it in your notes or your Evernote on your, on your iPhone. Just save it. But put into words, put into words the value, the importance, and the help, their legacy, that that someone's faith meant to you. For when we do this, we begin to speak and define and realize the values of the legacy that we're building. Will you pray with me? Father, none of us are here at this moment on our own. None of us are here because we, we did something so well. None of us are here because of our, our great ability. None of us are here because of our own power. We are here today because of the legacy of people who came before us, who set for us an example, who set for us a path, who cheered us on, who lifted us in prayer and shook our hand and and, uh, punched us in the shoulder and said, good to see you today. We're here. Because in the lives of other people, they were attentive to you. They gave themselves in worship and they lived with a future perspective. They aligned their lives to your promise. God, may that encourage us in our hearts today. And may that drive us to do the same for others. It's in Christ's name we pray.